Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to another episode of Talking Fast, a Gilmore Girls podcast. I'm Suzanne. And I'm Alexis. And we're two longtime fans of the show excited to rewatch and recap it along the way. Today's episode is Season 2, Episode 4, called The Road Trip to Harvard. The episode description from Netflix is, With her big plans cancelled, Lorelai is eager to escape the reactions of everyone in Stars Hollow, so she and Rory take off on a road trip. And there's still no Jess. (laughs) There's still no Jess. We're still waiting for Jess, as we said in our last episode description. He's so close, I can, I just, it's gonna happen presently, right? It has to. Mm-hmm. I I mean I could easily look up the the episodes, but I know. But now I'm dedicated to the bit of the anticipation and the not <laughs> knowing and the excitement. So I hope it's next episode though. <laughs> yeah, this was a good episode though. I liked it. I agree. I liked the little trip out of Stars Hollow, out of the bubble to mm-hmm. an actual lo- like. It seemed like they were really shooting on location, and if it wasn't exactly. Yeah real Cambridge it was a different location at least it definitely was I I went to Boston and visited Harvard and I remember like I've been to that exact archway that me too at it so yeah I was like either this is real or they did a really good job of (laughs) making California on some WB lot look like Boston (laughs) yeah maybe a really good green screen yeah I don't know was the green screen (laughs) technology that strong back then (laughs) I don't think so. <laughs> it's not always that strong now either. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Okay, okay, but we have plenty to get into, but before we do, of course, we will do our Talking Fast segment. Are you ready to go first? Um, I think so. I drank a little bit of coffee before this, so I'm oh. hoping it will fuel me like Lorelai and get me through it. <laughs> that could go either way. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> ready? Go. This episode is centered around a road trip. Uh, Lorelai wants to be spontaneous. Rory wants to plan and have a map, but they kind of meet in the middle and agree they need to find a place to sleep for the night. They end up at the Cheshire uh, B&B, which is delightful, very pink, flowers, cats, etc. They decide to go to Harvard. Rory is like dreaming about her future. She fits in really well there. They head back to Stars Hollow. Everyone's heard about the broken wedding because Miss Patty shared. Luke finds out. He smiles and coffee is on him. <laughs> okay cool. i think that that covered things it, it did cover things that's a good assessment <laughs> okay would you like to cover things in 30 seconds as well sure okay <laughs> three two one go so we open up in the car they're heading out to god knows where they end up at the Cheshire cat which is a pretty cool place though there could be more cats and then they go to Harvard, and Rory sits in on a class and makes some weird comments. And <laughs> then they also show slides to Emily, who gets kind of distraught that they that their wedding's off. 
Um, Luke, though, is pretty happy when Suki breaks the news, and Lane is also back, and at the very end, Lorelai and Luke talk a little bit about their feelings. Okay, yeah, perfect. <laughs> nice. Oh, I forgot about the dragonfly. Oh, oh, we'll get there. Yeah, we will get there. <laughs> Let's slow down so that we can get to the dragonfly amongst other things. We start off this episode with, with an interesting conversation about music, which kind of reminded me a bit of Lorelai and Christopher's conversation about Max's musical taste. I don't know if there was meant to be a connection there or if it's just a reiteration that Lorelai's into music, but very specific music. Yeah, I thought that was funny she says at one point that um christian rock is an oxymoron <laughs> yeah <laughs> which accurately describes how i feel when um she like lorelei in the scene is flipping through the radio stations and what i feel like is a very universal experience like if you did forget well it's not a cd for me these days but you know like your phone the aux cord etc and you're just trying to find radio stations once you're past your like reach of your preset stations and you like flip through country christian rock and pop pretty much are like Mm -hmm. the three kind of stations you can generally find and i agreed with lorelei's protests about that really killing the vibe of their road trip (laughs) yeah that's true there was a point a time in my life when I listened to a lot of Christian rock. Oh, yeah. My family but, did as uh, well, and that's part yeah. of my aversion to it now as an adult. <laughs> yeah. It's just yeah, not for now me. You, you listen to the lyrics, and you're like, oh, wow. This is saying something, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing when you're listening on the radio. Occasionally, you have to listen a bit to judge if it's mm-hmm. a Christian rock song or not, like channel or not, because... Half the time, it sounds just like a typical love song. And then you hear like, oh, mighty God. And you're like, oh, no. Okay, yeah. switch. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I do have to point out, so they stop and get nuts at, and make have a whole little bit about nuts. Yeah, Hayden's Nut House. Like road nuts, they say. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was a little bit of... Uh, continuity error again here when they go and get these huge bags of nuts there's no way they could have eaten them in one day and then when they're at the Cheshire Cat later on they're starved with no food just seems like a bit of an oversight (laughs) that is I did not even think about that oh good eyes could have lasted for days because nuts like you can't just keep eating nuts you know like once Mm -hmm. you've hit hit your limit you just don't you just don't eat more yeah i'm not (laughs) even gonna make a (laughs) i'm not even gonna make a dirty joke about that (laughs) but the lorelei's uh theme for this road trip it's she just wants to be spontaneous and the contrast of that is Rory, who is, like, messing around with a map. She really wants to know where they're going. And Lorelai is much more about the, like, it's about the, like, what? It's not how you get there. It's, what's that saying? Not about where you're going, but how you get, I don't know. Yeah, something about but, the destination. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when Will were in the car, so when they left last episode, we... I guess understood that the wedding was off and Lorelai said that, but we didn't get any other information. 
And now in the car, Lorelai calls Suki and wants her to share the news. Suki sadly had already made a cake. (laughs) And Um, named it Clyde. Yeah. She said, I never should have named you. (laughs) (laughs) But in this scene is my Rory's bookshelf moment when Suki asks uh, Lorelai, I think, what's wrong? And Lorelai says, you'd have to dig up Freud himself and have him work on me full time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's a good line. I just want to give a shout out to Freud. He's a, you know, he's been kind of debunked as a very sexist, misogynistic guy. But for a long time, for my master's degree, I worked specifically on dream studies. And so he's like, you know, a big name in dream studies. Yeah, you kind of like butt up against him. Yeah, there aren't that many other people doing dream studies. And if they are, then they have to, like, refer to Freud. (laughs) So I've read quite a lot of Freud. And it is, it's problematic, but I do sometimes find it quite interesting. Mm -hmm. The, like, things that he's come up with, you know. And oftentimes there are, like, the explanations do make sense. Right. In a way, although he's also just coming at it from one angle, which makes things a little bit skewed but yeah i i know that most people don't like freud but i'll read some freud so that's that's why i picked this i think part of my beef with freud is the whole he was of the era and some people are still in this era but not nearly as many i don't think of men like proclaiming their like observations based on these like small things are like universal truths and apply to everyone and all of that stuff and it's like no frame it as like a case study or something like that and your observations of it and it's far it's really interesting or like your take on how dreams work but anywho Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) you yeah you brought up Freud before for Rory's bookshelf so I thought of you when I heard that line and I think your interest in dreams is really cool and if we ever have any dream sequences on the show we'll definitely have to turn to your expert opinion (laughs) I can think of at least one, but mm-hmm. I don't think it's for a while. Yeah, I think I remember a Lorelai dream. Yeah, I remember a Rory dream. Oh, I do too, actually. Okay, we'll have fun with <laughs> we'll it. We'll get then. to them. <laughs> okay. Um, did you mention, I, I can't remember, when she calls Sookie, Lorelai tells her to tell Miss Patty about the wedding being off? Oh, yeah. No, I hadn't mentioned Oh, that. yeah, yeah. So that's kind of the next, the follow-up Um after Suki has like lied she's like no I didn't make the cake already don't worry as she's standing next to like a seven tier wedding cake (laughs) um Lorelai asks her to tell Miss Patty because then the whole town will know and Suki's (laughs) like yeah within an hour the news will have spread which it does (laughs) yeah very very effective also that cake looked pretty delicious as far as cakes go at least Suki get (laughs) She got to eat a piece. <laughs> yeah, and everybody at the end, probably. I wonder if she gave pieces around the town like Lorelai had with the daisies. <laughs> the beginning of the engagement and the end of the engagement. Yeah, you can't quite make the whole, like, flower crowns out of the cake. or That's There's true. just suddenly, like, <laughs> bugs everywhere <laughs> rotting oh, cake gross. slices. <laughs> That's the dark version. Um. So as this road trip progresses, the kind of height of this conflict of should we plan or should we not plan comes to a head when 
Rory and Lorelai both like agree they don't want to like just sleep in the car they need to plan where they're going to stay so Lorelai plan like thinks up that they're near this contact she used to know someone else who owns an inn I think Daniel or somebody like that and uh but she doesn't want to call ahead and (laughs) I feel like this was the whole I the show kind of leaning on Rory's side of the debate because if they had planned ahead they would know that this inn is no longer it's actually now the Cheshire Cat like B&B and it's a completely different uh beast (laughs) yeah I have to admit they were Lorelai was being pretty harsh on B&Bs and generally I've only been to B&Bs in England so it's kind of a different experience but I've enjoyed them like you get a home-cooked breakfast you there is some expectation of being somewhat sociable which I don't like but yeah but it's usually like comfy and nice so I think she was a little bit harsh but the Cheshire Cat was a different beast (laughs) yeah I thought this was an interesting um I feel like the show does this a couple times where they like satirize a specific group of people and mm-hmm. it's not the perfect reference, but it made me think of in the revival when they have that 30-somethings group. Oh, and it's yeah. just like Amy making fun of millennials by using this like very small group and making them like a silly satire out of them. And here it felt the same way. I was like, I feel like Amy must have had a bad Airbnb, not Airbnb, mm-hmm. that's later on, a bad B&B <laughs> experience. And now, like, in this episode, she's taking it out on them. Or just, like, I can't really imagine her in a and b either. Yeah, so may- that's maybe that's where it's coming from. But it felt like a little bit of, um, like, a, an extension of a writer's kind of, qua- like, squibble, quabble, squabble, squabble. Man, I'm messing up my words today. It felt like her issue with B&Bs, maybe. But I could be projecting mm-hmm. just my own views of what I think her views are. <laughs> That's true, because with B&Bs, like, you don't go to a and b in a big city or, like, a metropolis or anything. You go to a and b usually out in the country or in a small town or historic place. And mo- most of Amy Sherman Palladino's stuff takes place in cities. Or at least, well, I guess not Gilmore Girls, but at least, like, she seems like a city person. I'll just say that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I, I just felt it odd, the kind of skewering of B&Bs, because the show features so many inns, and I wasn't aware mm-hmm. that they were so different. But, of course, they are. So, like, I just don't, I don't know. Uh, maybe that's Lorelai's beef is that she's an in girl, you know, not a B&B girl. And it's like a professional feud between them, maybe. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> okay. I'm letting you know this episode, I decided to not do a Stars Hollow moment because we were not in Stars Hollow. I am oh. instead doing a Cheshire Cat <laughs> nomination <laughs> because oh, nice. <laughs> I feel like the whole, you know, we've talked a lot, of, qu- talked quite a bit. The idea of Stars Hollow nomination is like the aesthetic of Stars Hollow. And love it or hate it, the Cheshire Cat has the most stark aesthetic. Like it is, I don't know, it's seared in my memory the minute they walked in. I was kind of like, I was like, yes, but then also like, oh my God, <laughs> you know. But I was wondering, how would you describe the aesthetic of this B&B if you had to pick out a couple colorful adjectives? 
um, floral, ceiling to floor, floral, (laughs) (laughs) um, a stereotypical cat lady house, Mm -hmm. just with only one cat. Yeah. Um, somebody who got a little bit too excited with wallpaper. (laughs) I know. And trimmings and stuff. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Ladon is just such a strange character. Yeah. It's very like Ladon says the person before her was eclectic, I think was the word she used, mm-hmm. and she said she didn't like it. But I felt like this was eclectic, but on yeah. a certain theme, like kind of stereotypical old grandma, maybe. Like there's a color palette which seems to be like pink. <laughs> yeah. And the pink wallpaper, and <laughs> like drapery, lace, doilies you name it um it's a lot (laughs) cats but only one living cat but i feel like the spirit of cats are there (laughs) yeah yeah um it makes me think of um in the harry potter books oh the descriptions of the tents that they stay in at the tri or the um world cup camping place that's just like smells like cats <laughs> i imagine this place smells like cats <laughs> totally i thought you were gonna bring up um umbridge's office in the fifth yeah. like book and movie too. um yeah. though her office has a more sinister vibe to it mm-hmm. i think than the cheshire cat Although Lorelai does seem to pick up on, um, she says, like, later, um, like, satanic forces. <laughs> so maybe this is, like, where, you know, someone like Umbridge would stay. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I bet she would. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that was my nomination. It was just a special special episode call out to this lovely B&B. <laughs> yeah, I love it. <laughs> but while they're at the B&B... They become afraid of the people downstairs and the mm-hmm. conversations they'll be sucked into, which seems like quite a sacrifice. So they decide not to get dinner because they don't want to walk past these people. And that, I think, I mean, I don't like talking to people, but I would rather have dinner. Than I agree. Starve. So. And that seemed like complimentary food. I saw like a yeah. whole spread, I saw wine. I don't care how annoying mildly annoying that crowd is like Mm -hmm. especially i will venture out for food and especially venture out for free food like yeah i thought they were a bit on high horses of like yeah it feels like yeah it feels like kind of the whole like city girl mentality of like i'm above the country folk or whatever that you Mm -hmm. see in like stories but they're not even they're from an equally weird town as well like (laughs) stars hollow is not new york city where they're just used to walking around not talking to anyone whatever so it's it feels like it's coming from a weird place yeah they even they didn't even have to have the complimentary stuff if they wanted to avoid people altogether they could have said that they had dinner plans or just anything but Lorelai does like when they're upstairs she does admit that sarcastically they're high above everybody else so she at least like notices that they are being ridiculous here but yeah why didn't they have the nuts with them that's the biggest question (laughs) yeah (laughs) where are the nuts 
there's probably like a deleted scene somewhere about how they like fed them to squirrels or something like that (laughs) but then there could have been a good line about that too like we shouldn't have fed all those squirrels the nuts but yeah this is the true you know we speculated about a lot but this is the plot line i need to be cleared up whenever (laughs) someone interviews the paladinos next (laughs) where were the nuts (laughs) and what are your opinions on b&b's did they bleed into your artwork (laughs) gosh um and the consequence of their kind of uppity behavior about the um happy hour down below is that Lorelai exposes herself to this like empty evening which provides Rory with an opportunity to start asking her about Max which is something Lorelai would like to avoid but Rory mm-hmm. is pushing this conversation I think understandably so and she's put it off for a longer than I would expect many people to like I kind of said I thought it was friendly of her. Well, not friendly, but I thought it was kind of her to not ask Lorelai probing questions immediately at the start of the road trip. But at this point, I'm like, come on, Lorelai. I think you owe her a little something, a little explanation, even if you're not ready to delve into it quite yet. Yeah, I actually put my Friday night dinner within this conversation. There were a couple points that I thought deserved it, like at one point. Lorelai starts going off about how she's not going to discuss this with her 16 year old daughter she likes to flip that switch when it's like in the heat of the moment like now you're not the best friend now you're the daughter exactly but I ended up giving it specifically to the point where Rory says like that her that Lorelai's decisions have uprooted her life like they have changed her life and we really didn't get much of this but Rory was expecting to have kind of a father figure or like she was expecting to have Max in her home. Mm -hmm. She'd come around to that. And as we've been talking this entire time, (laughs) none of their decisions really take Rory into account whatsoever. But clearly Rory was prepared for that change in her life and she wanted it to happen. And so I think this is just another moment of me being aggravated that Lorelai just didn't think at all about Rory in any of her decisions. I'm not saying that she should have stayed with Max for Rory, but that's just another reason why Rory deserves to know the the reasoning at this point, I think. Right. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Of course, Lorelai is like this. She's free to do what she wants to do, but like Think a little bit more about Rory, please. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Or how you're going to communicate once you've done your actions, you know, etc. At the very least, tell her why. (laughs) Yeah. But they do end up, end off this conversation with Lorelai, kind of saying that she wishes she did love him, which I thought was pretty poignant, kind of sad. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was surprised by that. Well, it was just like a follow-up from the last episode wondering like when she decided she wasn't going to get married and I feel like we didn't she never said she didn't love him like until now so I thought it was just like a little bit of insight clear I mean obviously it was insight into how like where her head is at now and I was a bit surprised that um it was like she didn't love him at all I thought she might be like I was in love with him but I wasn't ready or something like that but she's just like no I realize I don't love him so that's the truth she was 
she was falling in love with him, but she wasn't in love with him. <laughs> for, for the yeah, that's Bachelor, bachelor talk. <laughs> for those of you who are not as familiar, or for those of you who do watch the show but don't know about love levels, plug Game yeah. of Roses here. <laughs> it made this made me wonder whether we ever actually heard Lorelai tell Max that she loved him. I don't know I if we heard Max remember. tell her he loved her. Yeah, I don't know if they I, ever really spoke. Their engagement just happened so fast. <laughs> yeah. I kind of vaguely remember Max, like, in his second proposal saying, like, I do love you and that's why I'm asking you to marry me or something like that. But I don't I don't remember Lorelai ever saying I love you. And since we got that whole, whole episode with Rory and Dean and that phrase, <laughs> it's kind of surprising that we didn't. Yeah, maybe didn't hear that at all with them. No closure in that discussion. <laughs> no. I mean, a little bit of closure about... It seems like the door is definitely closed. You know, when she said, mm-hmm. I'm not in love with him. Because Rory had been kind of saying, maybe you're afraid. And if you just, like, think about it, maybe you can get back together. Maybe the wedding could still be on. And I do get the... We get the sense of, like, no, that is definitely not something Lorelai will be pursuing. Okay, the next morning, they wake up in their room, and this is my Rory's Bookshelf nomination. It's a very tangential nomination. It's more of what it made me think of, (laughs) so bear with me here. But Lorelai wakes up, and she's, like, sitting after getting ready. She's staring at the walls, and she says, um, well, like, she says they're growing taller, (laughs) and Rory says no I've told you already, the flowers are not growing. They're not reproducing. And Lorelai is like, there are satanic forces at work here, which is what she'd written (laughs) in the memory book, which Rory strikes out. But this made me think of a short story, a gothic one called The Yellow Wallpaper by Mm -hmm. Charlotte Perkins Gilman, in which a narrator kind of descends into quote-unquote madness um, through observing this yellow wallpaper that she like studies for hours on end and thinks it's moving. Um, She sees women in the wallpaper. She sees a lot of different things. Um, And I just thought, you know, if Lorelai stayed in this room for a little bit longer, you know, maybe something wacky would have happened. And I like to think of a gothic reading of the... Cheshire cat would be pretty funny like (laughs) uh, like reworking this uh a little bit more um into something more sinister and they have like Rory and Lorelai have to escape the like uh spookiness of it and whatnot could be fun (laughs) I love that I think it kind of ties in with my Rory's bookshelf Mm. as well because isn't like She's kind of, she's diagnosed as hysterical Mm -hmm. or something with hysteria, and that's why she's kind of confined to that room, which of course then drives her more into mental anguish. Mm -hmm. It's definitely, it's the time period where women are called like hysterical or Mm -hmm. nervous, like nervous disorders are a big thing. They could just mean so many different things. And yeah, yeah, the narrator is, um, it's based on Charlotte Perkins' Charlotte Perkins, I'll just say Gilman's. It's based on her own experience with the rest cure, which was a treatment, you know, by someone Freud-esque, you know, like a very Mm -hmm. uh, masculine, patriarchal kind of doctor. 
And in the story, it's like her own husband is the doctor who's saying she needs to be confined to her room and whatnot. So it's very much a critique of like the patriarchal medical system that like the cure they have designed for women supposedly like isolation, no intellectual or stimulating work. And like the narrator is a writer and they're like, don't write or read anything like that. And... Mm -hmm. So, yeah, just, like, the control and the power dynamics of, like, the very cure they've devised is going to make them, if they weren't mad before, they're going to be mad after. And I I use the word mad lightly, of course. Like, I feel like that's not the modern correct term anymore. But um, it's a really interesting story. Yeah, definitely psychoanalysis type stuff. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) I haven't read that for a long time, but I remember being super affected by it. Yeah. Book recommendation. Well, not book. It stands up. It's like of Gilman's work. It's her, I think, best like written in terms of like Mm -hmm. just how she tells the story. She's got other stuff that is worth studying, but I wouldn't say it's like as formally interesting. You know, I think her use of like playing around with the gothic genre really helped her like elevate what she's doing there. But mm, that's just my professional opinion. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. As an as an Americanist, mm-hmm. I trust you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but after after Lorelai has been torn away from the wallpaper, they go downstairs. They brave the B and Bers, and they are kind of affronted by them for a little while. Um, Lorelai has this story up that she's in publishing, which she attempts to maintain throughout their conversation. It's very weird. Um, yeah, again, they were kind of mean to the poor B and Bers, but they do, they do escape. Um, although first, uh, first Lorelai calls Suki and we get a great moment, which is, has my Stars Hollow moment within it. Mm, so good. <laughs> so Miss Patty's been very efficient at spreading the news and everybody in town knows except for Luke. Mm-hmm. He's so, a loner. Yeah, poor guy. (laughs) So Suki tells him that the wedding is off and he says, oh, that's too bad. And then (laughs) right before this, he'd been having an argument with Kirk, of course, about paying for coffee. After he hears the news, he goes right over to Kirk and gives him free coffee and then he gives (laughs) free coffee to the whole diner. (laughs) And he's just like so chipper and Suki you like get a pan in on Suki's face and she's just like grinning over her coffee like yeah very knowing obviously yeah we all know what's happening here I love it it. cute yeah before this Kirk had been saying um like he's been sitting at the table for hours and he's had like eight cups of coffee and he says that's how they do it in France and Luke is like we're not in France obviously and then after what you've described he's like welcome to France here's your coffee it's on the house Kirk I thought it was so funny such a good way such like a very um, tongue-in-cheek way to like demonstrate Luke's like jumping for joy secretly at this news I loved it <laughs> yeah so so chipper mm-hmm. also doesn't Kirk need to go to the bathroom at this point like coffee just goes straight through you you know <laughs> you can't just be sitting there for three hours just drinking coffee and never going to the bathroom I don't want to know <laughs> <laughs> but yeah <laughs> Anyways, they finally are extri- extricate themselves from the B&B. 
and realize just where in the world they are. And Lorelai has an idea. And then the next shot we get is them standing outside of the gates to Harvard. And Rory's just like astounded and taken aback and afraid to go in. And it's pretty cute. This was my gazebo moment, actually. Yeah, these first, like, the first shot of them at Harvard. I just thought, like, it's, I I feel like they just did such a good job of portraying Rory's, like, wonder and excitement. Like you said, she's, like, kind of afraid, but she's also excited. She doesn't feel like she can go in. She's like, are we allowed to go in? And meanwhile... Um, they've shown that, like, really nice gate. Like, I love college campus architecture. I'm a nerd for, like, any school with good buildings and architecture (laughs) and stuff. So, like, I love looking at it. And you see, like, they're at Harvard. And they've got, like, that, the very, the guitar kind of sound that goes through Mm -hmm. Gilmore Girls. And the, like, ah, ah, ah. Like, I'm not going to sing it today. But, um, (laughs) and so it's just really... It's just really lovely, and I feel like it encapsulates so much of, like, say what we will about, like, the higher ed system or their treatment of Rory as, like, a prodigal child or all of this stuff. Like, put that all aside. Like, it's just her love for Harvard and her, like, excitement for her future and, like, this is her dream, and the dream means so much to her and her show and those around her, like... I just thought it was so exciting to see the two of them standing like side by side. And I feel like sometimes that image of them side by side looking up at like the Harvard gate is the Netflix like image for the show sometimes for me. And so I just remembered it really well. I just feel like it's very iconic and lovely. And I was like, they're just so like optimistic about Harvard and life in general and like so excited to go in and explore. Yeah. Yeah. It was a very great moment. It did raise another question for me. <laughs> Please, <though>. go. <laughs> Which is, when are we at? Like, when is this? Oh, that's because great. Yeah. This summer, there like, wouldn't be people in school, right? Yeah. That's a It seems point. like full lecture classes, like the full campus is alive and classes are in session. But Rory's not at school, so... Has Chilton started and she's ditching? Because it no seems way. like that would have been a point of contention. Um, or is this Harvard summer school, which I don't think is, is correct. So they just like mismatched. And usually, I think university semesters tend to start even a little bit later than um, like high school semesters. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Roy should be in school right now. <laughs> wow, they needed you on the writing staff this episode. You would have been like, don't forget the nuts. Uh, what time is this? <laughs> Just the little things, you know. Yeah, seriously. They could have done like a move-in day thing or something. That could have, But that would have been kind of haywire. Yeah, but that could have been a good way for them to like sneak in, you know, pretend mm-hmm. that they're moving in. It, it could have worked. Well, <laughs> but, they don't. Yeah. They didn't ask me. Lorelai convinces Rory that they don't need a guide or permission or anything to go check out Harvard. So they begin their excursion and they do a lot of like, there's a lot of fun different scenes while they're there. 
the first one is the exciting like purchasing of coffee at Harvard, which is like, of course, the first thing that the Gilmore Girls would do. And while Rory is there, Lorelai gets hit on by like a Harvard guy, which was kind of funny to me. Um, also, where Lorelai was asking, she's like reading the names of people who had gone to Harvard, which included like W.B. Du Bois and Henry James, which she asks, is that a beer? And Rory says, no, a novelist. And I already gave Henry James a Rory's bookshelf before, yeah. so I didn't do that. But then they do get to Sam Adams, the actual beer. So fun, like, Harvard trivia sprinkled in throughout. <laughs> yeah, I loved all these scenes. Lorelai seems almost as excited as Rory. Mm-hmm. Rory's obsessed with the libraries. That scene um, was really funny. <laughs> yeah. She's like practically having a panic attack. Like, <laughs> I need to read more books. I've been sleeping too much. I suck. And I was like, I've definitely had that spinning at like yeah. in grad school. I'm like, I'm not reading enough. <laughs> yeah. Well, simultaneously, I'm the per- like, I read more than anyone else I know. Like, not in grad school. We all read a lot. But if I just talk to other people... Like, Rory talking to Lorelai. Lorelai's probably like, you read constantly. And I probably seem the same way to outsiders, but it's like, somehow it's never enough. (laughs) There's so much more to read. Mm -hmm. Like, how am I, as a medievalist, supposed to be able to have a conversation with you as an Americanist if I haven't also read all of the literature that you read? I know. So that's a big problem. (laughs) That's what Rory was saying. She's like, I need to read at least, you know, I have need to have base knowledge in all of these different sub genres and all of that. I'm like, okay, I'm finding Rory to be quite relatable in this moment. (laughs) We do find out that Harvard has the largest library system in the country. And I think I might be slightly off on this, but I think our university I won't say which one for <laughs> privacy say, reasons. Is this but our big reveal? You can find it out. <laughs> Might be the largest for a public university. Mm-hmm. That's system, what I hear so. every time I get like a tour. That's a fun like yeah. a fact they like to share. Like we're in competition with Harvard in terms of how many books we have and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Some of which are sitting in my office mailbox right now, and I got an email about coming to pick them up. My, I so got an email that, that said, I requested too many books and they will not fit in my mailbox and I need to come get them from the shelf, the extra <laughs> overflow shelf. So needless to say, we can relate to Rory right now. Yeah. <laughs> and we also have more than one library, which she was very excited to learn about. Mm-hmm. This made me think a lot about when Rory is giving her tour to that like random Chilton girl at Yale later on and Roy's showing her like all the libraries and stuff and that girl is like bored out of her mind <laughs> she just wants to like go sneak away to a party which she does if I recall I yeah we interrupt this podcast with a message from our sponsor are you really into dark academia right now you know leather bound books and tweed sweaters Reading by a window as rain streams down the glass and obscures your view of the old city center and its cobblestone streets? We'll let Harvard Library System give you a little food for thought as you sip your black coffee and write with a fountain pen by candlelight. While you might think that Oxford is the place to go to live out your dark academic dreams, at Harvard there's a book so gloomy, so macabre, that you won't be tempted by the misty English countryside or punting down the Thames on an overcast day ever again. 
This 19th century tome, entitled Destinies of the Soul, will bewitch you with its contents, but disturb you with its bindings. In fact, touching this book might be just like touching the skin of a stranger. Because that is exactly what you will be doing. Leave it to the French to create a book so unsettling that it leaves you wishing for the comfort of Edgar Allan Poe just down the road in Boston. Well, normally we advise against holding a book that will give you nightmares. For listeners of Talking Fast, Harvard has an offer that you just might want to refuse. Mention Talking Fast in a whisper to the nearest librarian, and you'll be led into a dark room where you'll be left alone with a book bound in human skin. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Libraries are great, though. You Mm -hmm. could be lost in a library for hours. (laughs) Yes. But thankfully, we don't actually have to see that happen on the episode. Next, they go and... um, sneak into a dorm room which is super creepy and also who would just leave their dorm room open with their computer and everything there i know that's ridiculous (laughs) like i remember i only lived in dorms for my first year of college and it was a terrible terrible experience (laughs) i was gonna ask you is your experience of dorms like did the dorm we see was it similar to what you lived through or no it was much nicer than what I lived through. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I did live in like um, two-person dorm rooms. I think actually my first dorm room might have been a little bit larger, but the furniture and everything wasn't as nice. <laughs> my roommate also kept the weirdest hours <laughs> and often had phone sex with her boyfriend in the middle of the night while I was trying to sleep and it was terrible. Oh my god. <laughs> Uh, I lived in a dorm for one year of college and I agree my room was slightly bigger than what they showed and I liked that they showed a small room because that is true of dorm rooms and that's the major thing like almost every tv show set in college gets wrong they have like huge dorm rooms which is not the case but mine was very much like linoleum floor cinder block walls kind of vibe it was not aesthetic at all and we were an old dorm that actually had was made out of like indiana limestone so the outside looked cool it was like an old building that looked very you know majestic but the inside was very out of date and we had no air conditioning or anything like that um and then it was eventually like torn down by the time i had graduated which made me upset because i still had memories there you know and they replaced it with like a very modern looking building that had no character or anything like that so mixed feelings about living in a dorm and how they showed it here (laughs) yeah I think this is more like my experience than the Yale dorms that we'll see later oh yeah totally (laughs) it was just absolutely ridiculous that somebody left their door wide open 
and it wasn't it's not even like a locked building it just seems to be a fully open building on the first floor <laughs> and the same thing seems to happen next when they sneak into a class like a lecture that is ongoing the professor is like in the middle of a lecture and Rory kind of like decides to enter the class she's trying to be secretive but she drops a coffee so everyone like in unison they all turn to look at her which I felt like was a little dramatic my -hmm. students are never really that like alert (laughs) like a few people would turn I think if someone like dropped a coffee but uh anyway I wanted to ask you about this whole like Rory goes to the class she's listening we cut back to it later on she's like participating speaking out loud like uh well how did you feel about this and maybe how would you react if you were a professor and like uh, I guess this is it it doesn't work for us because we have such smaller classes than this but like Mm -hmm. yeah what were your thoughts about this (laughs) first off I would be astounded that anybody was participating Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) especially these days maybe I'd be like welcome thank you for contributing (laughs) yeah but I also like if it was somebody I didn't recognize and clearly knew was not one of my students, I would be pretty annoyed, I yeah. think. Because um, they obviously don't have the context of the class. And as we find out, Rory, like, brings something up that people brought up before. I'm sure it was, like, a rush for Rory at the moment. But it didn't seem like she really brought that much to the conversation. And she kind of derailed the class. <laughs> Yeah, they were talking about, like, philosophy and something she brought up was, like, related to relativism and I don't even know. But, I yeah, I think we're supposed to watch it and think, like, what a natural, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and it made me think again about them painting her as, like, a prodigy, you know? Because there's mm-hmm. the idea of, like, they're smart high school students, but that doesn't mean they'd just be ready to, like, jump into, like, a Harvard lecture and be participating in class in that way. And yet Rory is. So I thought this was very much of, like, her exceptionalism or her supposed exceptionalism. You know, like, I think that was supposed to be our takeaway, but I mostly found it, like, humorous for some of the reasons that you brought up. <laughs> And she just, like, leaves. She thanks someone. She's like, this was fun. And all of the people who were sitting near her were like, what the fuck? <laughs> what? <laughs> I've also taken a couple philosophy classes. And anybody who thinks they can jump into a philosophy conversation, like, in the middle, is obviously not familiar with the philosophy. <laughs> it's, like, the most circuitous roundabout conversations philosophy some something else Mm -hmm. the audacity of Rory is very large (laughs) meanwhile Lorelai has been in the hallway staring at these portraits on the wall which I didn't really understand and it zoomed in on one picture in particular of Erica Hilson Palmer did you notice that am I supposed to like yeah know who these people are or I think it was her being wistful for If she had gone to college, she would have graduated in 1990, which is what this, these people, it seemed to be like the graduating class of 1990. Oh. So I think that was it. And that was just like a person who looked kind of similar to her because we definitely don't know who that is. 
All right. I got the wistful vibe, but I wasn't quite catching up all the visual cues I was supposed to be following in that moment. But totally, as she says, you know, later to Luke a bit too, like her mixed feelings seeing Rory at Harvard fitting in so well was a bit like she's proud. She's also going to miss her and also like seeing the life that she never had and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. But we'll get to that later. (laughs) Yeah. I definitely did have to look it up to make sure that the 1990 theory was correct, but... That's good. Actually, I I am impressed you knew the date that she would have, like, graduated. You're on top of it this episode with continuity. (laughs) It was helpful because I think yesterday was Lorelai Gilmore's birthday. Oh, I didn't wish (laughs) her a happy birthday. (laughs) Posts all over about when she was born and stuff. Mm, Okay. Convenient. That helped. (laughs) Well, this is... My cat was just meowing into the microphone. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) The next day, uh, they are leaving the B&B. They've kind of concluded their Harvard trip. And they come down uh, wearing both Lori... Both Lori. (laughs) Lori, you know, both of them, they get my (laughs) Lorelai's Closet nomination. Um. Kind of, it's like a parallel, you know, a little bit to my gazebo moment. I just find, like, their fangirling for Harvard to be quite cute and endearing at this point. Especially because it's ironic knowing that they won't, she doesn't go to Harvard. So, like, what are they going to do with all of this, all these clothes they bought? But um, I just liked how over the top this was, too. It was a good detail by, like, the costuming department because Lorelai is wearing a Harvard bucket hat Rory's wearing a Harvard baseball hat and a Harvard shirt. Um, Later on when they're in the car, Rory is like wearing her baseball hat sideways, which was like a hilarious look for her. And there's also in like the back seat of the car, this giant like Harvard pillow. I just imagine like the deleted scene of them going absolutely bonkers in the gift shop at Harvard. I think they bought them out of like everything. Um, So yeah, that's my Lorelai's closet. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. That stuff is so expensive to you. Yeah, like University paraphernalia. <laughs> but after this, they're driving home. Um, they arrive back in Stars Hollow. And <laughs> as they drive through Stars Hollow, everybody's looking at them kind of mournfully. Yeah. Kirk <laughs> yells, do you want a hug? <laughs> <laughs> Miss Patty's like patting her eyes like she's been crying yeah. since she heard. <laughs> so cute. But then they drive up to their house and the hoopa is still there and Lorelai looks a little bit sad about it um but we don't really get anything else at this point when I did see the hoopa I was I thought to myself I'm surprised Luke didn't come to pick it up when he heard Mm -hmm. so that it wouldn't be there when she gets back and later on he says that he's like oh damn it I should have gone to get that I'm I'm so sorry I was like yes I thought of that before he even said it he's so sweet (laughs) but after this we get a truly great scene I think at Friday night dinner (laughs) and I have two nominations in this scene so Lorelai is showing slides like (laughs) with an old slide machine which where do you even get that (laughs) I don't think even in the early 2000s those were easy to find I don't Um, know yeah I guess the last time they, I saw it was on a Mad Men episode, so that could support oh, yeah. your <laughs> your point. Yeah. 
they do have kind of like a nice, I don't know, tactileness to them that just like going through a PowerPoint or just even showing slides on a later projector doesn't have the same because it's got like the click every time you move a slide. I know. Slide. I liked it. I kind of felt found myself wishing I could share photos like that. Yeah. It was cool. Because Emily's like, why didn't you just print them for me? <laughs> I like Lorelai's explanation that this like slows everything down and makes you actually have to look at everything. Mm-hmm. But I have my Lorelai's closet in this scene for Rory's dress, which I thought was really cute. It was like a navy blue button-up shirt dress, which she's worn a similar silhouette in the past couple episodes for Friday Night Dinners. But I like this one because it was navy blue and then it has like leaves and acorns and stuff on it Hmm. it's kind of an interesting pattern Mm -hmm. but i liked it she's ready for fall (laughs) yeah it's coming (laughs) but um i also had my gazebo moment in this scene specifically when so emily asks about the wedding and before lorelei can respond she starts to get really upset that they eloped without telling her so she Mm -hmm. couldn't be involved yeah and that was my gazebo moment because I just love this like kind of transparent look into Emily's excitement that Lorelai was going to get married (laughs) and that she was going to be involved kind of coming off of what we had said um with the veil episode when um Lorelai had finally asked for her opinion yeah I just really love that (laughs) (laughs) I know it was also just so like melodramatic I loved it she jumped Mm -hmm. to conclusions so (laughs) fast and was like on her feet yelling like I got my hair done I got a dress and all these things that like you say are on like they're her anger but also revealed to us how she was like a lot more invested in this Mm -hmm. than she was perhaps letting on (laughs) Yeah, it was very sweet. It was like, this is buying things to be prepared for a big day is Emily's love language. What more could you ask of her? <laughs> yeah. So uh, Lorelai kind of like interrupts and is like, the wedding's off. Um, Emily like asks who called it off. That's like really the only follow-up question she has. And Lorelai says like it was her. Um, and then I felt like Lorelai was kind of doing this thing where I'm not like a healthy behavior. (laughs) Like she knows she has a troubling relationship with her mom. And so she's like demanding to know like, oh, what are you thinking? She's like asking Emily to pour salt in her wounds. You know, like Emily actually wasn't saying anything. And Lorelai asked her to say something. And so I'm like, oh, know your boundaries and like just don't go there. (laughs) But um, Emily's response is like, well, if you want to know, I was thinking about how I need to return your gift. So like you said, her, her love language, she was buying things already and now she has to return them or not because there's like another, I thought really a fun running joke after this, which lightens the scene again, which is like Lorelai demanding to ask, what did you get me? She guesses iced teaspoons, corn on the cob holders, tiny forks. And Emily's like, no, no, no. And you'll find out you'll just have to get married one day I'll save it for then and Lorelai is like following her around she sneaks around a corner to surprise her which we don't see it's like off screen but Emily's like ah and Lorelai's like tell me and I thought it was pretty funny (laughs) yeah I had some thoughts about Emily's refusal to say anything Mm. and I think it was 
pretty obvious that she was like purposefully holding her tongue Mm -hmm. i think this goes back to when lorelei confronted her um with with max that one scene um saying that like what uh emily says hurts her and does affect her i've got chills (laughs) and like so when uh or was that that was the end of last episode okay yeah and she's like talking about how yeah emily's opinion does matter and when she's excited about something she's afraid to tell emily because emily will bring her down or when something goes bad she's afraid to tell emily because emily will say i told you so and here we see emily specifically not saying anything (laughs) i thought it was a great little moment of growth like she there's nothing she can say that will please Lorelai Mm -hmm. (laughs) like she can't say oh good because then Lorelai will take that an offense against her decision with Max and she can't say that she's really upset because Lorelai will take that personally so I feel like she was doing the right thing here that's such a good explanation I'm glad you like brought attention to that like callback I think you're completely right that's so cool (laughs) Emily she's growing up I know that's so good um did you I don't think we ever learn at least to my memory I don't know if we ever learn what Emily did get Lorelai but what do you think she got her do you have any guesses I don't know because I'm like Lorelai seems to think it's something (laughs) trivial of like a useless item like someone only like Emily would think of like iced teaspoons or tiny forks but I was like what if it actually was something like rather sentimental or sweet like and now she doesn't want to like share it because like I don't know like I I just thought maybe it was actually something really like personal to Lorelai (laughs) that would have been a good twist but it also makes me think a few seasons in the future spoilers ahead (laughs) that when she and Luke are engaged uh Emily and Richard start house hunting to buy them a house oh yeah (laughs) I don't think that that happened this time, but, like, there's just no telling. It could have been something huge and extravagant like that or something, like, really, yeah, sentimental. That's a good point. I I would prefer that it be something sentimental. Yeah, but I think you might be right that it would be something, like, huge and extravagant. (laughs) Like a car or something. Yeah, or, like, a vacation home in Martha's Vineyard like next to theirs like oh now that you're married you will have side-by-side vacation homes in Martha's Vineyard and our families will always be together I don't know (laughs) I also wrote something down at the end of this scene that now I'm not sure whether I was thinking of it correctly but was Rory reading Mrs. Dalloway during this conversation I actually wrote that Rory was reading Virginia Woolf. That's the only thing I could get. I didn't find the title. I think it was Mrs. Dalloway. Okay, well, if you saw Mrs. Dalloway and I saw Virginia Woolf, <laughs> then I think if we put our observations yeah. together, we're correct. And I might have made yeah. that my Rory's bookshelf if I had, like, confidently. I kind of forgot about it, to be honest, but I really enjoy that novel. I've never read it. I just liked that she was reading a book during all this. Yeah, yeah. I actually just Probably her copied book. a passage from Mrs. Dalloway for my students tomorrow as an example of stream of consciousness. Oh, nice. Because it's good for that. <laughs> Italian. Mm-hmm. 
But thankfully, this Friday night dinner is not as explosive or damaging as some other ones we've seen. I thought it was actually kind of fun. Yeah, and I thought as much as Emily was complaining about watching the slides and Lorelai's rather experimental approach to photography, which is like not just images of buildings, but like thumbs and like weird like focuses on a squirrel of course Emily doesn't care about a squirrel but I thought it was nice that they were sharing like part of their trip with her and then I thought it was also good that Lorelai told her one-on-one about the called off wedding like within a good time frame so I felt like Lorelai was also making steps to kind of like you know like you said Emily was taking steps toward dealing with this properly I felt like Lorelai was doing something similar even though at one point she does say like you're just jealous we didn't bring you on the trip like poking a bit but like (laughs) yeah Yeah. we can only ask for so much progress right (laughs) and they'll always kind of have the like barb kind of like humor toward each other probably Mm -hmm. yeah it was a very wholesome friday night dinner Mm -hmm. as far as they've gone (laughs) even without richard there businessmen they're just off traveling you know (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) so after this as usual after friday night dinner we are back ambling around stars hollow Mm -hmm. lane has returned Mm -hmm. um so it's definitely the end of summer yeah (laughs) and again the school year has not begun because she just got back that day Mm -hmm. so continuity but um she and rory start kind of catching up with each other Mm -hmm. and lorelei heads over to luke's to get some coffee and luke Mentions that he's sorry about the wedding being off. He's it's all it's so cute. He also gets a bit worried that he was mean to Max, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is cute. Yeah, but also you can tell that he's like jumping for joy on the inside. I know, seriously, <laughs> I love it. We also get the conversation about the hoopa. Um, Lorelai decides she wants to keep it. She'll just grow some nice vines on it, which I think is a nice, nice compromise. Also, it'd be a very pretty yard fixture. Yeah, I <laughs> it agree. It might be sacrilegious, but... <laughs> Maybe. Uh, put, like, a bench under it or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought the what the conversation kind of takes a serious turn. Luke asks how it was seeing Rory, like, really fit in at Harvard. And I thought that that was such, like, an astute thing to say. It yeah. shows that he really knows... Lorelai very closely to even think that that might be something that would get to her mm-hmm. um I thought that was yeah a great moment I agree because she's like oh you know we went on a trip we went to Harvard Rory really fit in and he's like how are you taking that I was like mm-hmm. what a I agree I just think it's astute it's like he really sees her really knows her and she admits like yeah, it was hard, and we get a bit of unpacking of, like, the wistful looks we'd seen from her, and she kind of says that this is inspiring her to kind of take the leap to the business side of her life and to, like, start get plans started for the Dragonfly Inn, which we're all very excited for, of course. <laughs> yeah, I thought that this was great. Like, it's interesting how some things, like that you don't expect can make you nostalgic for the past but also super excited about the future and like motivated for a future so i'm 
I'm glad that this was the moment that started the dragonfly in stuff. Mm-hmm. And I feel Lucas. like also the a bit of the like calling off the wedding to you know like mm-hmm. to, how to move on from that and to put like your energy into such a positive project. I think is real a good way like probably the best outcome that you could think of. <laughs> you know. Yeah, that's true. Probably. If she had come back and just gone back into doing the exact same things without having anything to look forward to, maybe she would have gone back to Max. I don't mm-hmm. know. Or we'd have but. Rory telling her um, she needs to wallow, right? That whole episode, yeah. <laughs> to wallow or not to wallow. <laughs> yeah. But Luke is super supportive about the in stuff. He even uh, proposes that he can help with some of the business owning stuff, which was very sweet. It was. And Luke, like, as Lorelai leaves, Luke just kind of smiles Mm -hmm. as she leaves. And you can tell that he's, like, there is hope renewed. I know. (laughs) And it's adorable. We'll see what happens there. We will. (laughs) I don't know what happens. I'm kidding. (laughs) Uh, Lorelai leaves, and she goes up to Rory, who asks her if she can go to Lane's, because, you know, they're teenagers. They have so much to catch up on after not seeing each other for months, right? And Lorelai looks a little emotional, I felt like, in this moment. Probably a bit like, you know, a lot is going on, and if she could just talk to Rory, it'd probably be nice. But instead, um, she's, like, alone, so she starts to call. She, like, pulls out her phone. And at this point, I was like, wait a second. Is she going to call Max? Is she real? I was like, is this the moment where she realizes like, okay, I'm alone. I need to tell Max the wedding is off. And she calls Suki to talk about the dragonfly. But that made me think, wait a second. Who told Max that the wedding was off? Was it Miss Patty? I'm just like, this. So this is my Friday night dinner critique, actually. Which again, is slightly like, This isn't as serious as, you know, some of my critiques have been in the past. Overall, I really enjoyed this episode as a whole. So this is like the second time it was kind of hard for me to place it. But I just decided to place this critique a little bit because I think it's um, like one, I think it's so like I just want to know on a plot level, like who told Max? Like I want (laughs) to see that scene or even if she didn't tell him in person, um, did she leave a note? Did she leave a voicemail? Like, they've left, a, like, so much of their thing was phone calls and voicemails. That could have been a mm-hmm. good ending, like, a voicemail. Um, just on the story level, I was like, what are the different ways they could have shown this? What could that, what shape could have taken? I feel like it would have been a good bookend. And secondly, this reminded me of uh, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. And this is a spoiler for season two, I believe. So... A bit of two and three for those of you who watch that. Um, it reminds me of like how Midge and Benjamin's relationship mm-hmm. ends and how Midge like makes this big decision at the end of a season and their relationship is just like over. And us as the viewer, we never get to see like how Midge ended things. It's just like next season, she's single, right? 
Um, and it's not till the very end of the next season when I guess that actor was free to leave Shazam and film a scene for a minute <laughs> that we learned that um, she like left him a letter and that's how he found out and he gets to really speak his piece in this really epic monologue about like I didn't deserve that all of this stuff and I wanted to, I just was like Max Medina I feel like deserved a moment here mm-hmm. um, to say his piece and I know I I'm really, my memory is poor right now and I can't remember. I know he's there at least one more moment in the show. So maybe he gets to say something then and we get a bit of closure. But I decided not to look it up because I feel like the critique stands because viewers just watching the show for the first time probably would have had the same kind of questions as me. But um, yeah, I'm just like, poor Max was left in the dust I don't know who told him. I hope it wasn't Miss Patty. Um, I feel bad for him a little bit. And um, I just wanted to see the story unfold a little differently. Not from like events, but just like, how did it happen? Yeah, that's my rant over. (laughs) Yeah, we have at least three things that we would give as notes to the writer's room. Mm -hmm. To say like... You need to work on these for this episode. It's a good, got good bones, but it needs a little bit of fleshing out. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Oh, that's good. I had a last thought about Lorelai's like loneliness at the end of mm, this episode, mm-hmm. um, and the fact that they just visited Harvard. I wonder if a lot of it has to do with Lorelai re- realizing Rory is going to be gone soon, mm, mm-hmm. and she needs to have something else in her life that is like her focus and that's why she's starting the dragonfly that's a good point yeah because she gets that sort of like lonely look in her eye as she's watching rory walk away with lane so i think Mm -hmm. that is definitely evidence to what you're saying of like of course she doesn't yeah i think that's right she's realizing like soon within a matter of relatively short time I'm going to be, like, alone from the one person I've been, like, inseparable from for, like, Mm -hmm. 16 years now. Yeah, that'd be a lot. Mm -hmm. Big change. I'm excited what's going to happen with the dragonfly, though. Yeah, me too. So this brings us to the end. We're looking forward to our next episode, which we feel like will be the arrival (laughs) of Jess, but I don't want to jinx it. (laughs) In the meantime... Uh, if you could like and subscribe our podcast wherever you're listening we always appreciate that we love 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 reviews and we love if you follow us on instagram and engage with us there where we have some fun with memes and things like that and uh, finally also we are still collecting gazebo moments from season two if you are just as excited as us about jess arriving and want to send in a gazebo moment about it That'd be great. So you can send those to our email, talkingfastpodcast at gmail.com in either a written form or a voice memo of around, you know, nowhere longer than like a minute. So yeah, that's the spiel. (laughs) Uh, Until next time, which will hopefully be an exciting episode. I mean, not that this wasn't. Yeah. This is also exciting. But it will have Jess. (laughs) All right. Yeah. Talk to you then. (laughs) 